Welcome everyone to another episode of the Noisecast. Happy New Year, everyone. We're a little bit late um, with this first uh, episode of the year. Uh, there have been some personal things that we've been, well, that I've personally been dealing with and glad to say that um, that part is now past. Um, uh, but you know, better later, better late than never. We're here to uh, kick the year off, and as every year goes with the tech industry, that means we're probably going to talk about CES at some point. But before we get to that, Paul, say hi to everyone. Hey, everyone. How you been, Paul? How's everything going? Everything's going well. I had a, I had a great a great holiday. Um, got to spend some time with my family. Had a great New Year. Things are things are going well on my end. I know you've had some personal issues, but things are going pretty well for me. Yeah, um, and you know, unfortunately, there was a death in the family. Um, you know, happy to say that everyone is doing well in spite of the news. Um, and that's kind of what's what's delayed things here. So everyone that's been patient and asking when's the ne- next episode going up. Thank you guys for checking in. Appreciate everyone who's uh, reached out on social media and, and elsewhere. Um, and if you didn't know, now you know, um, you know, we were trying to keep it um, kind of private, like, you know, just kind of on a, a like close friends and immediate family type of situation. Um, but, you know, thank you guys. Thank you, Paul, for checking in on me and, and all that throughout. So that's really appreciated. Um, this year started off with a bang like see a lot of the bigger companies have stepped away from ces like you don't see the big announcements anymore oh yeah that that's that's a fact man i'm sorry go ahead but ces is really where you get to see the trends and unfortunately the trend of 2020 is kind of just leaning into the fact that well we're becoming a we're turning into a dystopian society (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that seems about right. Um, between impeachment hearings and um, Airbnb spying on customers to like weird face recognition, unproven face recognition that's being adopted by uh, police, uh, police departments throughout the country. It's safe to say that we're the trend seems to be going in a very, very ugly place. There's even um, that new app, speaking of facial recognition, there's even that new app I was reading about just today about you can take a picture of someone and pull up any public information about them which yeah th- that's the one that that I was that's the one that I was referring to that thing is nuts you know the fact that you snap a picture and it could be consensual or not um and then pull all this data on them that's very scary um you know what, you know what comes to mind immediately with that just truthfully what, what's that that's especially dangerous for women hell yeah like, Hell yeah! Like a lot of dudes are freaking creeps, and yeah, I'm, it's a, you know what? It's um, my uh, friend of the show, DJ Ben Amin, um, on Twitter has more than once stated that men are trash, and time and time again, I think it's safe to say we've proven uh, that to be the case. Men are trash, and you know, technology like this makes it even easier for trash men to be trash men. And even like listening to the way the leaders of these companies talk, they don't even seem to care about the implications of the technology. Like I acknowledge the technology is cool, but you also have to think about when you create things like how it is going to be implemented and how it is going to be used. You can't just say, hey, it's cool and let people do with it what, it, what they will. Yeah, I think it's um it's one of those things where I think you know for a fact we've definitely discussed it on the show in the past where there seems to be a lack of uh, a lack of a code or moral you know code of ethics or morals with a lot of developers. A lot of developers kind of approach it as a uh, product first ethos as opposed to well, do we really need this thing? Um, you know, it, it started out harm, I guess, quote unquote, harmless enough with, um, you know, like putting cameras inside refrigerators so that they can, you see, you can essentially, um, create tweets that say, Hey, I'm breaking my diet or Hey, pick up, um, eggs when you're at the store. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's just that we've progressively pushed that envelope to places where, um, we really shouldn't be going. Um, I think like, it's funny as I've gotten older, like the idea of this invasive technology 
is it's it's really a turnoff. Um, I'm more and more looking to find ways to kind of unplug and disconnect. I'm really not. I will acknowledge I have a problem with social media. I I really do enjoy social media just because my job bores me. So I post memes <laughs> all the time and pictures and everything. But I also yeah. acknowledge the harmful nature of it, especially for like mental health and everything. And the the internet. I kind of hate using the term because it is such a corporate term, but the Internet of Things mm-hmm. is really horrifying anyway, in a way because uh, there, just this week there was a leak of millions of passwords for these devices, mm-hmm. and there is about zero security on them. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, um, you know, um, the over... Over the the holiday season, I think uh, there were at least three or four, um, you know, news articles about people hacking uh, ring doorbells or, um, you know, using the, the ring doorbell to essentially um, determine whether people were home or not so that they can go and steal packages, break into um, homes and that sort of thing, or just like just creepy looking at what people were doing. Um, I think uh, what's worse than that is the fact that uh, just a couple weeks back, Digital Trends uh, did a piece on uh, Ring admitting that their employees have improperly accessed uh, customers' doorbell videos. You know, say, yeah, I want to say fuck Ring, just, <laughs> just as a blanket statement. <laughs> Tell come them why you me met, Jeff, Paul. Come at me, Jeff Bezos. I don't. I don't care. Come at me. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and I think what, what's happening is that we're seeing more and more of these instances where um, the quote-unquote gatekeepers, the people who are supposed to be keeping your your information private, are overstepping um, and really um, just kind of pissing on people's trust. Right? You know, you. The idea is that a consumer buys this thing with the intent that um, there is some level of security and privacy that's going to be afforded to them as a paying customer, only to find out that, you know, um, basically like some developer somewhere, like some, you know, QA developer or customer service rep is out there with access to their to their videos. I mean, like, it's terrifying if you think about it. Like, the, the ring doorbell is one thing, but what about all these, like, um, nanny cam type things that, you know, I see people set up now? Um, you know, that it's terrifying. You know, you're we're putting spying devices into our homes and not considering, you know, what the implications of that would be. And even then, Ring didn't require a two-factor authorization for their people or for their customers. I think that should have been something like non-optional for people. Like I don't like saying corporate, giving corporations all that power, but mm-hmm. at the same time, there are a lot of bad actors and two-factor authorization is a fantastic, e- easy way to keep those bad actors in check. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, there are a bunch of things that people can do um, to protect themselves from, you know, that sort of um, intrusion. Obviously, the first one is make sure you you turn on that two-factor authentication. Um, It's not 100%. Nothing is, unfortunately. But, you know, why would you, you know, if you know that you live in a neighborhood where people are breaking into homes, why would you leave the door unlocked, right? So that's the first thing. Um, I think the second thing that people don't consider is that, you know, these are Wi-Fi enabled devices. A lot of times people keep them on, I guess, like the main network in their home. That's like a really, really dumb thing to do. It's just like, you know, most uh, most routers today, even the ones that your your shitty ISP provides you with usually have um, two bands on them. You know, set up a separate network for your Internet of Things devices. You know, little things like that can go a long way to keeping you safe uh, and keeping your data safe. Like, I, I don't know, like I said, with me, um, you know, I know I get a lot of flack for it because it seems like I'm an old man kind of yelling and uh, making a fist at, at, at technology. But it's just like, um, you know, privacy is the one thing that um, it, it's the one thing that separates, I guess, you from 
um, just another cog in the machine, man. It's just like your privacy is ultimately what um, is valuable to these companies. Like, why give it away for free? Well, I think you sound like the opposite of the old man because you really sound like me. Um, <laughs> what I think about is not that we hate technology. It's the fact that we love technology. Like from mm-hmm. a technological standpoint, all these devices are cool as hell. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's just the fact that we need to take steps to protect, protect ourselves and protect our privacy because this is the world we live in now. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, it's it's just like... Um, and this is probably a bad example given like the, um, the world we live in now, but you know, you, you, if you know that you can prevent a horrible disease through vaccination, there's really no reason why you would not get a vaccination. Yeah, I guess it's that's that that one is a a, a bad example today. Yeah, that's Maybe a, we'll a, go back and edit it. <laughs> that, that's a, I can see how that's a little bit of a stretch. I agree with you though. Anti-vax people are, are nuts. The worst, are literally the worst. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, but you know, ultimately, it's just like you know, you have to take precautions, right? It's just like you know, you you wouldn't get um, you wouldn't go binge drinking and then talk about you're going to drive a car because everyone's going to say you're out your goddamn mind. You know, you need to do something to not just protect yourself, but protect the public. Um, in a situation like this, I think um, companies need to make, uh, you know, uh, two-factor authentication more of a requirement when you set up these types of devices and less of a, hey, set this up later. I think it's too easy to skip through some of these options. Like a lot of these privacy options that are are there but people are just unaware or just kind of too lazy to, you know, to do it. It really takes one time to do it, set it up the first time, you know, and enjoy, you know, enjoy your device, enjoy your ring um, doorbell and, and, you know, yell at the, the FedEx guy for throwing your package at your door. But, you know, at the end of, at the end of the day, you have to just make sure that you are keeping yourself safe, your family safe, your home safe, you know, your home is, is just things and it would suck if, you know, someone used your home camera to spy on you and then rob you while you're at work, but that can be replaced. You can't say the same thing about, you know, uh, the people who are inside. So, you know, do a little due diligence, make sure that, you know, you turn those two factor authentications on, um, switch it to a private secure network on, on your, uh, home Wi-Fi network. You know, most again, most routers have at least two bands. There's no reason why you're not not doing this already. Agreed. Uh, I completely agree. But have you been reading? I don't know if you what sites you read, but Medium is doing some incredible work here lately about technology. Yeah. Um, what's it? Uh, one zero is one of my uh, favorite uh, Medium posts, and I believe. Uh, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Eric, is is writing there. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that that's the what I'm actually talking about because it ties directly into what we're talking about. Is and even disregarding the work he's doing, is one zero is doing some really interesting things because they're instead of just talking about technology and technological news, they're talking about mm-hmm. the implications of everything. And I really, I just really enjoy that idea. It's like black. It's like Black Mirror in real life, which is a terrifying sentence, but it's, again, what we live in now. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think uh, it's funny. I feel like um, Black Mirror kind of shows us our worst self. And, you know, we're very much, you know, uh, kind of moving in that direction with a lot of things. Um and it's really good at identifying like trends that, you know, are happening now and they show, I guess they kind of amplify what the worst case scenario would be. Um, I wish more of the developers and the designers were doing that instead of, uh, you know, um, TV show writers. But, exactly, you know, because uh, like speaking of Eric, the, the writer for One Zero, he was talking to, I'm reading an article of his now, I actually have it pulled up. And talking to the people he had at CES, they didn't even seem to worry about the implications. Like when talking about the fact that uh, a lot of technology allows people to track their employees so seamlessly, 
the developers seem to think that was a good thing. They, I can't find the I can't find the verbatim quote, but the idea was if employees don't deserve, don't want to be tracked, they need to just start looking for other jobs. Yeah, you know that's um that's a very very dangerous um that's a very dangerous road we're, we're going down. Um, th- fuck that. Like, I'm sorry. There's really no other way to say that. Um, yeah, no, we, you know, we should not accept, um, invasive abuse from our employers, no matter what, you know, all that really highlights to me is that there needs to be a shakeup, uh, with respects to, you know, quite frankly, labor law. Um, I'm not sure if you caught it. It's, you know, not necessarily directly related to what you just said, but, uh, Kotaku recently, uh, did a great story, uh, on the effects of, you know, game development delays and crunch. So, you know, while more developers are, are willing to push back games, um, you know, and they specifically pointed out, um, the, um, the pushback uh, launch date for uh, the Cyberpunk game. What was it Cyberpunk 2020? Uh, I forget what it is. And then, yeah. And also Doom Eternal. Right. Like, so, you know, like, you know, a lot of fans have been like, hey, you know what? Um, you guys are saying you're going to make this really cool game concept a really cool game in, in actuality. And everybody's like, hey, you know what? We'll wait if it means the difference of waiting, you know, an extra three months, we'll wait the three months. Uh, but what's happened is like one of the negative effects of that is that the, the developers and the game designers are now like essentially being forced to work round the clock overtime shifts, you know, where people are working 15, 16 hour days, um, you know, being sent home to essentially eat, wash up and then come back until the game's release date. Okay, that was um, a mis- that was a misunderstanding on my part. I thought the the pushbacks were actually going to help the developers and, and it kind of avoid the crunch where they could work no more for longer. Yeah, no. So you know, here's here's a funny thing. So like the way like the way the pushbacks work is um, everyone says, okay, well we're not going to necessarily, um, you know we're not going to necessarily um, force people to like work these crazy hours to meet say like uh, end of February launch date. We're going to launch in September and then, you know, we're going to make sure we get, get this thing done. Um, Sounds good on its face. You know, there are a lot of reasons why um, that sounds like a a win-win for everyone, but you know, they pointed out um, during a uh, Q and A with investors, the um, the developer Project Red, uh, I'm sorry, CD Project Red, which is the developer for um, Cyberpunk 2077, uh, you know, they were flat out asked, you know, will the pushback mean that the development teams will be required to put in crunch hours? And you know, they said yes. And while they met, the developer did say that they were going to limit those crunch hours. The only reason why they're doing it is because Poland has more strict labor laws regarding overtime and how much um, you know you can push a team. None of that really exists in the United States. U.S. is frankly terrible in regards to labor laws. Yeah, it's what you know. Like, it, it, I'm not going to go so far as to say that we are the worst, but you know, we're trying really hard to get that title. Um, you know, it really comes a time where we have to really look at what the value of work really is. And, you know, it shouldn't just be, you know, the value of labor should not be just how much it can bring owners, business owners and, you know, shareholders. There needs to be value across the board. It's just like, you know, um, and this is where I'm going to sound like some kind of like pinko communist, but if you're going to work these long, hard hours, then you should be able to enjoy a good life. And yes, you know, game video game development is very different. Uh, a lot of those uh, people are paid very well. Not everyone is. And I think, you know, we, we need to like really be honest about what that looks like. And we have to think about, you know, uh, as consumers, like, you know, when we go out and we purchase a thing that we know may have been, you know, built on the backs of people who, you know, sacrificed their families because they were not around for, um, you know, major milestones. 
um, who sacrificed their health because, you know, you work in a 14 hour days, 16 hour days, the body takes, you know, your body takes a beating, you know, if you're going to say you're okay with that, you know, that's, that requires you to kind of reassess, like, is this game really worth, uh, you know, that price? That being said, Bernie 2020. Bernie 2020. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. You know what? Honestly, like, so everybody says he's a dick and I don't care. Just give me an adult. Like if he wants to be a dick, we could correct that. But if what we can't correct is like a bunch of like man children, you know, calling shots. I don't know. I also like Elizabeth Warren, but anyone but Biden or Trump. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Look, you know what? The reality of things is is this. Um, Warren is my f- first pick mostly because um, unlike everyone else, and I'm not saying that I agree with all her policies, but the fact that she has a policy for whenever someone's asked her a serious question, like she said, either here's my plan for it or let me get back to you with a plan. Warren, I is, think- my, Warren is my first pick too, so I'm, I'm kind of – that makes me happy. That means the noise guys is officially – endorsing elizabeth warren there you go uh you heard it here folks um the noise cast is endorsing elizabeth warren i'm gonna knock on wood and say that that is a good thing and not a jinx because i would love to see warren uh you know become the first uh woman president of the united states and i would love to see some actual policy happening come you know in washington rather than whatever the fuck this is but as a fan of video games, going back to our previous conversation, that is what I was thinking. I was thinking these extended deadlines were to limit crunch time. It bothers me as a video game fan to know that that's not the case. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where when you look at it on its face, it sounds great. It's just like, hey, we're not going to, um, you know, we're not going to like grind our workers, you know, into the dust. We're going to, you know, push things back. We're going to slow things down. We're going to do it right. But, you know, in actuality, like unless there's something that, you know, fundamentally changes in the way these companies are ran. And again, you know, there's a, there's this kind of, um, there's a certain mentality that exists. I, I think not just in, in a video game development or in tech necessarily. Oh, I'm sorry. Like if, if you hear like hissing in the background, like it's winter here in New York City, so that means there's steam heat, and that thing is going to kick in for a little bit. So hopefully we can edit that out. Um, That's fine. It's winter down here too. I think it's 27 degrees or something like that currently. Oh yeah, no, that's that's rough for Georgia. It's it's really rough for Georgia. I'm not a fan. Yeah, <laughs> we need to send this weather back your way. I don't. Hey, listen, you know, like I'm, I, I'm not saying that I welcome it, but I am more accustomed to it. How about that? Um, but going back to uh, the video games, it's just like there, you know, there is this really misunderstood uh, idea of what work ethic looks like. You know, in the U.S., we seem to think that, you know, working more hours, um, sacrificing your personal well-being, your um, family health, your mental health, that all these things are a sign of hard work and determination and willingness to kind of roll up your sleeves. And while it is, it's just, it's detrimental to everyone in it. Like, you know, it's not something that I am personally a fan of. I think, you know, we need to, you know, see a shift in that. We need to, like, really have time where we're not thinking about work. We do. It makes me think of the idea of hustle culture, like where you should be Mm -hmm. hustling 24 hours a day. And your hobbies, you should only think about your hobbies in terms of profitability. If your hobbies won't make you any money, then why are you doing it? Yeah, you know, and and what... That seems to really be the trend, even with young people, like the young people. I'm uh, the people younger than I am. I'm talking to about the fact that they're doing art and everything. They mm-hmm. seem more interested in selling it and trying to make money than they do for art and doing it for the sake of art or doing it for relaxation and things like that. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's, you know, that that I okay. So let me just kind of say, put this out there, like you know, without being an economist or. Um, you know, having that kind of in-depth understanding of it. And by the way, if you're an economist and you want to explain this to me and Paul, 
you're welcome to come on onto the show. We'd love to have you and hear you kind of like, you know, break it down for us. But my feeling is, is pretty simple. You know, I think this is a byproduct. It's, it's almost kind of like a PTSD, uh, um, symptom where after the, you know, the economy collapsed in, in the mid aughts, you know, everyone just didn't like, no one had regular jobs. Every, you know, this is where like the gig economy, like, um, came up from, you know, nobody could get a, a decent, uh, decent paying regular 40 hour work week job. So everyone was doing multiple part-time jobs. I know I had family members that were working, you know, part-time at like two or three different jobs and taking on like little like side gigs. And that's how they kind of made ends. But, you know, when you grow up and you see that, that as like kind of the norm, I think it does something to your mind. And it's just like, Oh, you know, you have to constantly hustle. And it's just like, no, you don't. I've just always considered work-life balance because for me personally, that's the reason I've never pursued really a lot of promotions and things like that. I do enough to pay my bills Mm -hmm. and that's my goal. Yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, obviously, um, you know, you always want to make sure that you can take care of your needs and, you know, make some of those wants happen. And that's not a bad formula, like to living life, you know, like it's something that I'd, I've had to learn like over time. So, you know, I very much was, um, you know, a victim to my own kind of always hustling mentality. And it's just like, it comes a point where it's just like, nah, what, what are you even doing this for? You know, like if you don't have a good reason to do it, it's just like play some video games, just relax, you know. Turn, turn, turn it off and just be okay that you're just wasting your time or that you're going on a vacation, you know, not to promote anything other than to just kick your feet up and just relax. But I was also using that as a seg to kind of talk about uh, some of the, the other young people. And I was reading an article some the other day about this rapper. I don't even remember his name. But he spent a ridiculous amount of money, like probably more money than I'll ever make in my life. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and basically embezzling funds to make himself look successful, where he could try to use that to be even more successful. And that yeah, really feel, and I've seen that with a few of them, and it really feels like a byproduct of a of the hustle culture. Oh yeah. So I, okay, so I, I had to look that up. Are you talking about um, Chad Focus? Maybe I I have no idea this dude's name. I, you sent me the article initially, and I I've looked it up, and I was like, "Dang, this is actually interesting." All right, so for um for a little for for our listeners um on in December, uh, Vice published an article um taking a look like they did this uh really good like profile on uh and I don't want to say he was a wannabe rapper because he did. You know, make music. He has like actual music. He put it up on YouTube, SoundCloud. Um, you know, he was trying to get on 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 like Spotify. Like he was basically doing all the things that you would want to do as an up and coming musician. Um, uh, his name is Chad Focus, and basically what he was doing was he was making unauthorized purchases on his company credit card to pay for everything from promotional material, studio time to just, you know, buying jewelry, hotels and cars. He even bought his own um, tickets to his own concert. So he was selling out shows, but he was the only one buying. Um, It's nuts. So four million dollars is the, you know, is the sum total that they say that he embezzled. And, um, you know, he's he's looking at, at 20 years of jail time. That, that's a serious amount of fraud. It does make me think about something, though. Facebook, uh, I've hated on Facebook a lot on this show. I use Facebook a lot, and I'm going to continue to hate on Facebook, though. I'm just going <laughs> to get that out of the way. Uh, Facebook, Facebook has driven many companies under 
College Humor recently did a complete restructuring and let off most of their staff because mm-hmm. of Facebook and the fraud they committed. Well, yeah, like uh, Facebook was pumping their video numbers. A lot of these places were on YouTube and stuff where they were actually making money. Mm-hmm. But because of Facebook pumping their numbers, they that encouraged them to go over to Facebook and try to use it as a, a their primary platform. Whereas Facebook was lying about their video numbers. They were, in reality, pumping the numbers. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I do recall um, hearing that. I do know that many a publication, not just you know, now uh, College Humor, obviously, they were a video first, um, you know, content maker. But also um, happened to Cracked a few years ago. I remember that because I was a big fan of Cracked. Yeah, um, even I think um, uh, some people like I'm not sure if it was Vox or a company under Vox, but they essentially pivoted. You know, they used to have um, you know lots of long form articles, and then they pivoted to video, and then they realized, oh shit, we we got scammed. Um, you know, so they were making all this content kind of with a Facebook first uh, mentality, only to find out that you know, the views and, and more importantly, the ad revenue that they p- would have potentially generated was just never going to happen. Um, you know, and you, we can easily like put a number to that. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, you know, so whereas Facebook, uh, swindles, you know, news or news outlets, content creators out of a potential, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, they're one of the most uh, high-valued um, Web 3.0 companies, whereas, you know, unfortunately, Chad Focus is is staring down 20 years in jail. Yeah, for for the thing on a lot lesser scale, it feels like a very loose connection. But again, it just confirms, like, these big companies can do whatever the fuck they want to and face approximately zero consequences. Well, you know, we talked about it um, a couple months back when, um, you know, the SEC fined Facebook. You know, they said, um, okay, you know, you guys, we told you guys to cut this shit out. You clearly haven't cut this shit out. Um, that be this being, um, you know, doing doing funny things with people's personal data, Um you know, uh, creating ads that were discriminating against uh, specific people, uh, predominantly people of color, uh, minorities, uh, people with lower incomes. Um, the SEC said, you know what, you guys like can't seem to get this shit together. We're, oh, not, I'm sorry, it was the, uh, I believe it was the FCC, not the SEC. Um, but anyway, the FCC handed down, I believe it was a $5 billion fine. And Facebook makes $5 billion in a week. Cash. It's it's frankly depressing. Yeah, I, you know, and it's not trying to be depressing, but it goes to show you that, you know, um, if we took, if all things were, were fair and equal, um, and I'm not saying that um, this guy, Chad Focus, doesn't deserve um, his comeuppance, because obviously, look, you, you stole money, whether, you know, however you want to, look at it it's just like you stole money you you took a risk thinking that you were going to like be able to put it all back but when that didn't happen you know you got caught out there you're gonna have to like you know pay the price for that fair and true enough um but if for four million dollars you should you know you're you're looking at uh you know jail time i think for you know what they assess as five billion dollars someone should have went to jail I agree with you on that. I'm glad you helped connect the dots to what I was trying to say. So I, I really appreciate that. You're on the exact same page as me. And you were talking about <laughs> Kotaku earlier uh, mm-hmm. when they're doing that. One thing I kind of hate that's happened on the internet in a few the recent years is after Gawker went under, a lot of people ignored all the good work that Gawker did while they were around. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, like, you know, I've... Like, like even I've now, long... Gawker oh, I'm gets sorry, go ahead. Sh- even now, Gawker gets shit on constantly. Like, but they broke so many stories. You know the Epstein scandal everybody's still talking about? They're one <laughs> yeah. of the companies that broke that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what it is? So, I think what happened is that Gawker... Don't get me wrong, Gawker did some really, really 
terrible things. Um, you know, I always think about the Gawker Stalker map. I don't know if you you uh, were were reading Gawker at that time. I don't know that but, I was. But you know, long story short, the idea was that wherever a celebrity was spotted, they would put um they would basically crowdsource people saying, "Hey, uh, Alec Baldwin was you know at One Oak this evening," and they would put a little dot on the map saying, "Oh, here you know we just got a thing 15 minutes ago. Alec Baldwin was here." Like that is a bit much. That is you know? a big much. Nick Denton was kind of a a gigantic douchebag. I just don't like the fact that all the good work Gawker did has got lumped in with that. After right. Peter, after a billionaire bastard Peter Thiel. Uh, Allegedly, because we're we're not gonna like sit here and defame him, right? So he's I'll, allegedly I'll a he bastard. Come after me? I don't care. Fuck Peter Thiel. Well, there you have it. Fuck, fuck, that's the that's the noisecast official stance. Fuck Peter Thiel. Okay. Gotcha. Got you. Oh, um, but yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, like fuck Peter Thiel apparently was like, you know, was it. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that people do not want to, I guess like a lot of people don't want to admit it, but Gawker was doing some very important work. Um, whether it was the Jeffrey Epstein case, um, a lot of like their criticism uh, of Silicon Valley and kind of startup culture and this whole bullshit idea of unicorns. Like if, you know, they, they put, um, they put Uber through the ringer before anyone was thinking anything other than, oh, how wonderful, you know, the, these guys are bringing black cars to your door through an app. I kind of would have loved to. That part of the reason I'm saying this is I would have loved to see the old Gawker's take on the stuff we're talking about. The the fact that we're the dystopian society we're transitioning into with the and the hustle culture that's getting more and pro, more pronounced, and the the surveillance tech companies CEOs are bragging about at CES like they're, they're not even ashamed of it. I would have loved. Yeah, to, I would have loved to see old Gawker's take on that. I mean, you know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I think honestly, you know, if, if there's ever a point where I've, I've missed Gawker, I think it's not just been through this administration, but also, um, through the rise of all these, like, um, again, like the, the rise of, of the unicorns, right? Like these overvalued companies, um, you know, I'm pretty sure they would have had a field day with WeWork, you know, a real estate company that tried to bullshit their way into being looked at as a tech company. Um, they were, valued, you know, that was such an insane thing. Looking at looking at that, that's they were valued so high at their peak, and yeah, because wow. it, it it was like honestly, like I would not be surprised if you know, ten years from now, fifteen years from now, we find out that. Uh, what was oh, what was the name of that the SoftBank fund um, the Vision Fund? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would not be surprised if 15 years from now we find out that the Vision Fund was just an elaborate Ponzi scheme. A lot of this stuff really does just feel like elaborate money laundering schemes to get these. A lot of these CEOs are kids. Like I, I hate to say that, but I say that under about a lot of people under 30 just to get these kids rich. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, you know, again, it's like not like that's, I guess, the that's the the price you're willing to pay. Like if you're trying to launder money, like, you know, if you think about it, if you're if you're a bad dude or bad government um, and you need to, like, make some um, dirty money flip and become clean money, who cares if like, you know, some snot nose uh, rich kid got richer off of it. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where where like Gawker in this environment would have made for some amazing journalism. And it's not to say that a lot of the writers aren't still doing that. Um, but I think, you know, many have moved on to kind of more established um, uh, media companies. So, you know, you won't get the kind of in your face uh uh, writing that you got from Gawker, but you know they're still out there doing the work. And you know, honestly, like 
we're better off for it. They are, but by moving under the established companies, as you said, these things just get swept under the rug. Like we saw that with ABC talking about the Epstein scandal. And we mm-hmm. even saw that with, with the presidential candidate, uh, Mike Bloomberg, who acknowledged <laughs> that Bloomberg wouldn't do hit pieces on any Democratic candidate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Regardless and you know what they did. Yeah, and and I think you know so the the Bloomberg thing that's oh man that that's a kind of that's a tough one. I respect him for having the balls to say it because just truthfully, like I'm willing to bet almost all these media company CEOs feel the same way, but they're not going to say it. He's a billionaire; he gives zero shits. Right. Well, I mean, fuck Mike Bloomberg, but it is what it is. Yeah. No, I I think you know like we see it with um. You know, like Fox News, they clearly have an agenda. You know, their agenda is to, you know, we're going to keep pumping, you know, we're going to keep pumping the the orange wombat that's in, in the office now. Um, and they'll do whatever they have to do, whether it's smear uh, an opponent or just flat out fabricate stories about uh, opponent's family members. Um, they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, at the same time, like, you know, Hats off to Bloomberg. He was just like, you know what? We're not going to do that. You just can't cover the election. You can't cover me. You can't cover the Democrats. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, from a journalist's point of view, it's just like, that sucks. And, you know, you have to make a call. Like, how bad do you need this check? And a lot of us do need the check. So you you kind of told the line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, he's at least up front. You know, it's just like there's no pretense to that. It's just like I own this. I'm running for president. I don't want nobody to say nothing bad about me. But so at the same time, to keep things fair, you can't say anything bad about my opponents. And it's, and it's like CNN and the obvious anti-Bernie bi- bi- bias at the moment, which is uh, kind of insane. Yeah, it's you know what? Honestly, like I said, like with, with that whole situation, it's just like. Oh, I'm not here for it. It's just like, look, here's the deal. You know, Joe Biden, it looks more and more like that racist grandfather. Whereas, and I'm not saying that Joe Biden is racist. I don't know the man. I can't, I can't call it. But, you know, sometimes. The, 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 with all the stuff he said, if he's not racist, he's, he's problematic as fuck. No, if he's not racist, he's okay with racism. And that's, yeah. you know, that's a different, that's a different kind of problem. Yeah. Um, but very much in the same vein. Um, so no, you know, like definitely is just like, yeah, you know, he himself may not be racist, but you know, if racism could get him into the Oval Office, he wouldn't be against it. So yeah, that that's a problem. Um, and everything else with Joe Biden, like, again, like you said, problematic as fuck. Like it's, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, before we like become a uh, politics podcast, you know, um, we're talking about technology because all the stuff we're talking about is intersected <laughs> with technology. Yeah, I mean, him and his uh, video game rant. You know, like only creeps develop video games. You know, that being said, he did have a point yesterday. I've reread not- the I reread the speech in context. No, yeah, like no, no. See, about the fact that these companies are more valued and more respected than GM and things like that, while creating one one tenth of the jobs. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like I mean, it, it's you know, you work you work for for a big box realtor. Yes. You know, the truth is whether I I personally like that company or not. They create more jobs than, you know, some little like AI company, you know, out in Brooklyn that has four, you know, four coder bros who all knew each other from college, who one of them was lucky enough to have be born with money. And if that sounds like your company, I'm sorry, you're probably that, you know, silver spoon coder bro. Like, that's really what it is. It's just like you hired three people who happen to be your friends. At best, you scale and you hire 20 other people and they probably will look and think like your friends versus Walmart that employs. Uh, I think is Walmart still the largest employer in the country? If not, they'll want to. I don't know. 
at the moment, but if not, they're still one of the largest because we employ like almost two million people. Yeah, and you know, and and again, like it's not it's not to say that Walmart isn't without its problems. There are many, um, but again, it's just like why should you know a twenty person company be valued more than a company that literally employs um, a small city? So, but he still you know, phrased it in the worst possible way, and the the fact that he's polling so far ahead with millennials. No millennial is probably going to vote for him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a fact. You know, honestly, I think um, I think after, well, you know, before before like diverge a bit, you know, a bit more. Like, just I have a problem with like all these like caucuses and like the whole Super Tuesday thing. It's like what we should do is we should just have one vote, everyone votes, and let's put the shit behind us and move forward because. Yeah. Election I guarantee- season lasts so long now. the The general election isn't till November. We still have eight months of this. Yeah, I'm like, I'm honestly, I was tired last year. I didn't want to fucking hear it. I'm just like, and honestly, like, and this is because I'm, um, I live in New York City. I I'm not gonna say that Bloomberg would be my first pick, but if he ended up being the Democratic nominee, I would be okay with that. I would still vote for him if he's the Democratic nominee. But also, but just it would be more the same. And you know what? It it's it's going to be boring. Is what it's going to be. You know, because it's going to be um, very even keeled in the sense that um, it's just it's going to be about process and less about um, ideology. Um, it's going to be you know very much keeping the status quo, restoring you know the optics of what the presidency means, like on a world stage. And people really do need to, uh, you know, understand that um, while being the mayor of a city in Indiana is its own like kind of political, you know, trial by fire, being the mayor of New York City is being in charge of the fourth largest economy in the world. Full stop. Fourth largest economy in the world. So I actually did not realize that. Okay. Yeah. Like that's the kind of context that, you know, that the fact that Bloomberg not only did a great job in the aftermath of, um, you know, the uh, September 11th terrorist attacks was able to kind of right the ship um, immediately after that. And then during the, the great recession, like, it, it goes to show you that, you know, like he he had some semblance of understanding how to govern. Was he um, infallible? Absolutely not. Under, you know, the Bloomberg administration, we had stop and frisk where, you know, the police would, quote unquote, at random, uh, stop any individual and pat them down, search them for weapons and if they found something, they went to jail. If they didn't, you know, they were given a card and saying, you know, shut your mouth and don't say nothing. So, you know, again, it's just like, does that mean that we would see that on a national level? I hope not. Um, does it mean that uh, he would probably a co- be a competent politician? Oh, for sure. You know, that goes without saying. That's fair. That's actually fair. It is interesting to hear a New Yorker's perspective. Because I'm just an Atlanta leftist. So. <laughs> well, that's good. It's like that's where we need the leftists. We need we need them in traditionally like red states to balance out like, you know, the fart right crazy. It's just I'm, like it, it, we need to find like like a true um like middle ground because the truth is that like the middle leans progressively left i'm just wanting medicare for all that's my that's my issue this this time it is honestly like we're not getting any younger paul (laughs) it's just it's like we're not getting any younger and um the way jobs are going like nobody might be uh forced to do anything to provide benefits so yeah we definitely need Medicare for all. That, that, that's the that's the issue that I'm really voting for this 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 time. 
Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, like I'm, I'm glad that Elizabeth Warren, you know, finally put together uh, what she envisions to be um, a Medicare for all plan, or at least a step in that direction. Um, you know, I don't, I will not kid myself and, and tell you that I believe whoever gets, you know, whichever one of these Democrats gets elected, that all of a sudden the first term we'd see Medicare for all. But, you know, I would not be surprised and I'm very hopeful that we would see steps in that direction. Exactly. That's my thought too. Especially if, even if Bernie gets in, we'll see so much stonewalling, but that would shift the Overton window. And I guess we did turn into a politics podcast this time. My bad fans. <laughs> well, you know, uh, just kind of moving away from that. Um, and to just kind of like get back to some, one of the things that we talked about at the very opening of, of this podcast is CES. Now you mentioned that, um, you know, a lot of the big companies are no longer going to CES and make their big reveals and their big announcements. Um, you, what do you think, why do you think that is like, you know, what do you think has um, fundamentally changed that uh, you're just not seeing that anymore? Just the amount of press surrounding the big companies. Like each of them can do their own events now. Like you have the Microsoft event, you have Sony, who's probably going to do the PlayStation event uh, in February. Mm-hmm. And then you even have the specific events for like mobile phones. You have like mobile board Congress, where is really where you see the mobile phones. Uh, mm-hmm. With the amount of media and the amount of how easy it is to push out these press releases and everything to literally the world, they don't need events like CES or even like E3. Because I've seen, um, I think Sony stepped completely out of E3 this year. Wow, I, that I, that I didn't even know. Wow, that's that's amazing. That's actually amazing. So, yeah, because again, Sony's doing their own thing to announce the PlayStation Five. Like I think Sony was at CES, and about the only thing they showed was the PlayStation Five logo, which was the PlayStation Four <laughs> logo with a five instead of a four. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I did. I did see all. I didn't see the announcement, but I do recall uh, the Twitter backlash um, with all the jokes. So I mean, everyone's a designer now. But things like that, the jokes kind of write themselves, though, to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. But it. One of the things that did come from that was, I never. Well, not that I never realized, but. I didn't re- recall just how much I love the PS2 logo. Like um, the blue gradient. The, pl- the PlayStation 2 logo was great. The PlayStation 3 logo was awful. Uh, was the PlayStation 3 logo the Spider-Man font? Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. Could have been worse. Could have been Papyrus. Yeah, that was Avatar. Oh, man. Hey, listen, every, everyone, uh, every, you know what's funny? Everyone has a favorite James Cameron movie. Yes, and if it's not Terminator 2 or Aliens, you're wrong. So Absolutely. You got my vote on that one. Um, yeah, um, but one of the things like that CES, CES is still good for is I think um, it's a good litmus test like to see where, you know, what's trending. Um you know, I think what they do well is to kind of show you the pieces of the next big thing, like not the actual next big thing, um, because with, you know, with few exceptions, there aren't many things that you can see at CES and buy when you leave the show. Um, but a lot of the things kind of get your mind going. So like dystopian future aside, you know, uh, a few years ago, we started seeing kind of like the beginnings of the Internet of Things and connected devices, you know, where we, you know, and I even so joke about it. But like um, a tweeting fridge is stupid. Um, but like now we have, um, you know, home monitoring systems that you can, uh, you know, take a look at through an app. So. You know, I I think that's where CES is. But interestingly enough, because they're so 
in the moment, sometimes the trends at CES are just completely wrong. Because I remember a few years ago, there was the trend at CES where everything was virtual reality. <laughs> I, something told me you were going to say VR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you know VR what it is? AR have been talked about being the next big thing for as long as I can remember. You know what? Like, I, let me let me just like being very blunt about it. You, in order to make VR and AR work, it has to look cool because no one is going to ride the subway with those stupid goggles on their face and talk about they're having an immersive movie theater experience like during their commute. And I've seen actual commercials where they try to show that and it's just like people are not going to do that. So please stop making it seem like that's a viable just, thing. Just no one's going to do that at all. Like even in public, even walking at Walmart. Most people don't even talk talk to their phones. Like, voice assistants are a thing. Voice assistants are incredibly common. But you don't really see a lot in public. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm like, I'm that crazy, uh, I'm that crazy nitwit that's yelling at at Siri. It's like, hey, Siri, like, set a timer for 10 minutes. I am too. Just (laughs) just because I've gotten to the point where I can't remember things. So I'm like, remind me to do this, remind me to do that at this time. Man, listen, and, you know, and also, like, I guess, like, you know, I drive enough where it's just like um, I'm trying to keep my my attention on the road as much as I can. So it's just like, okay, like if I if I need to, you know, let my wife know I'm running late or something, it's just like, hey, you know, uh, text Nina and I'll be home, you know, whatever. I don't think anyone drove in New York. Um, I'm you know what it is. So I'm I'm. So I, I'm a, I'm a car guy first and foremost, um, but beyond that, lately um, our transit system has been pretty much shit. Um, so if I'm gonna spend a whole lot of money uh, to extend my commute by anywhere from forty five minutes to an hour, I'd just rather deal with traffic. That's actually fair. That that that's fair. I just assume New York always had top of the line transport, the public transportation. Um, you know, for so to New York's credit, it's probably one of the best in this country. But if you've ever ridden a transportation system outside of the U.S., you will probably say it's shit. Like okay. the one thing that they have going for them is that it's on paper a twenty-four hour system. Okay. So, I mean, you know, like, and and there are a bunch of reasons for that. And I think that would be a, a podcast all on its own. But, um, you know, but I, I, I do got to say, like, um, we do have one of the better public transportation systems, I think, in this country. Well, I guess it's just the fact that I get so much of my, I'm not going to lie, I get so much of my opinion from New York from popular culture. Mm-hmm. And in television and movies, you never see people from in New York driving. Yeah, um, yeah, like the the subway is pretty much like the default method of transportation. Um, I think uh, driving, if you live in the outer boroughs, is is uh, more common, um, and in large part because there are places that are transportation deserts. Um, and you know, like, and I really hate to sound like you know one of those like, um, you know, ride sharing. Uh, like proponents, but there really is a need for uh, last mile public transportation. You know, there are places in Brooklyn where uh, there's only one or two buses that, you know, drive through that neighborhood. And if you want to get into Manhattan, you probably have to take um, one bus, if not two buses to a train to get into, into the city. And, you know, you're looking at, at that point, you're, you're looking at it easy one and a half hour, two hour commute, into lower Manhattan, assuming that that's where you want to get to. Did New York get an influx of those terrible uh, electric scooters? No, we banned them. We banned them outright in the state. I can't, I didn't know, honestly, because they're everywhere in downtown Atlanta and the surrounding areas. So, and they're terrible. How do you guys like, do you like, so as, as someone who actually has them, um, like, what's the general consensus? Like, do people like them or, or are they kind of like, you know, this is like garbage that's taking up sidewalk space? It it all depends on the area. Like in a hipster part of town, they seem to be used a decent amount. 
And mm-hmm. um, what we have the, the called the Beltline, which is our, our kind of a paved trail system. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know what you would call it. But outside mm-hmm. of that, they're most viewed as a nuisance. I, I kind of figured. I mean, you know, like the whole the idea that they're quote unquote dockless, which, you know, it sounds like a pretty way of saying you could just dump this shit wherever. And that's exactly um, what happens. Like, I would hate them a lot less if they're war docks, like the the bicycles and stuff that people rent that have docks and the, mm-hmm. even the electric bicycles that people rent that have docks. I think those are cool as hell. Yeah, I think, you know, like, I think that's, um, I think that's different. Um, like, I, I think the fact that, that those, a lot of those scooters are just kind of like, oh, well, you're just going to leave it on the side of the street and somebody else is going to pick it up. It's just like, like, that's like basic kindergarten shit. It's just like, pick up after yourself. Like, don't just leave shit laying around. It just, when you was talking about the last mile uh, system, I immediately it came to mind because they're everywhere here. Yeah, like, um, that's, you know, that's really what it is. It's just like trying to figure out how to get people, um, you know, from like this larger network of transportation to their homes or their jobs, you know, like it's, it's literally, that's all that, that is. And I, I actually think about that a lot. Um, it's, I guess, cause like, I'm always kind of looking at it. I'm just like, Oh, you know, this is, there's room for improvement here. That, that's fair. No, no, that's fine. Uh, well, getting into the Oscars, I will say since I got the AMC a list subscription service, I've went and saw the vast majority of the nominees. Mm-hmm. So it's fun this year. Cause I actually had opinions on like everything. I have opinions on like almost every category. Nice. Nice. Um, okay. So, you know, like the next time we do this, do you think, uh, we can dedicate some time to, to just covering the Oscars? That, that would be a lot of fun for me, just truthfully. Awesome. So, you know what, like, um, we're going to put the word out to some folks. Um, hopefully we'll have a, another guest or two next time we do, we do the podcast. I will more so be like, um, the inquisitive kid, like just kind of listening in because, um, you know, while, oh, hell, I'll be honest. Look, my idea of a good time is like, um, bad boys for life. Bad boys like, for life was so much fun. I'm not even gonna lie. I don't care. I, can't, I, I gotta see when my wife comes back home, uh, we're going to watch it. Like yeah. that's, it's just a, there's no other way about it. We're going to make time. We're going to see it. We're going to have a good time. My wife and I went and saw it last night and it was, it was fun. It was it was just as stupid and even more fun than I thought it was going to be. Is it is it directed by Michael Bay? No, it is not. But Michael Bay does have a cameo in the movie that is just perfect. Oh, that is so awesome. Okay. Yeah. No said. I will definitely be checking that out. So yeah, so you know, like my I love bad movies and I love the popcorn flick, so you know, uh Martin Scorsese can pretty much kiss my ass. I'm going to watch every single like comic book movie you can throw at me. Okay, I also have opinions on the Martin Scorsese thing, and I do. I want to talk about that too. Okay, we'll definitely do that um, next show. Sounds yes. good. Yes, that sounds awesome. All right, so thank you once again, everyone, for uh, checking us out this evening. Uh, you've been listening to the Noisecast, and as always, you can find us on social media at. Oh, did I say that right? Um, I can't talk today. I'm pretty much ready to wrap it up. So you can find us on social media at the Noisecast. Um, wait, hmm. I do this every every episode. No, that's a lie. We're we're at the. <laughs> I'm gonna remember this one day, Paul. Like I'm just gonna like I'm gonna write it down. Hold on, I think I actually did. Yeah, oh, I sure did. I'm gonna have to keep this thing open whenever I do this. Uh, okay, so hold on. We're gonna try this one more time. Um, thank God that we do not pay for studio time because this would have me, you know, going climbing the walls with this. All right. Thanks everyone for taking the time to check us out this episode. This episode of the Noisecast. As always, you can find a podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Noisecast, no the in front of that, and on Instagram at the Noisecast. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, please consider a monthly contribution to our Patreon page. Yes, we did launch it um, towards the end of last year. Uh, we are very much taking your money because it's expensive to 
pay for hosting, to pay for uh, the editing that we do on these episodes. Um, all this is a labor of love. We're not trying to make a buck. We're trying to bring you the best show we can make. Um, so be sure to check us out on Patreon. We're um, at the Noisecast there. Um, and Paul, would you like to let them know where they can find you? I'm on Twitter at Paul. Just follow me if you want way too many opinions about movies and uh, comic book movies. Awesome. So, you know, you know where to find us. Um, you can look for me on Instagram if you're interested about um, my photography and some of the um, camera reviews that I do from time to time. Uh, I'm at E-N-O-S and the number one on Instagram. Um, that's probably the best place you can find me, uh, as well as um, the Noisecast uh, handles on social media. Thank